you remember the song, this old hymn, this old gospel hymn. You remember these words. You can say them along. I'm not going to sing them. You can say them along with me uh, if you remember them. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. (laughs) Take thy cross and follow me. And the reply in that song is, where he leads, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him. I'll go with him. All the way. Boy, isn't that something? I mean, what a commitment that is to to sing this song and, and to say that, you know, wherever he leads me, I will follow. I'm, I'm going to follow him all the way. Well, we can't forget that. That's a tremendous commitment. Can you imagine Just following Jesus all the way. You know what that means? We get to follow him in his promises. You know, that that means that wherever we go with him, his promises are going before us. And because his promises are going before us, we're going all the way with God and his promises. That's exciting to me. Is it exciting to you? To know that I can live my life in this world with the promises of God going with me. And and wherever we go, we're going with him and his promises. (laughs) And you know, his promises, they're yes and in him, amen. That's according to scripture. Y'all know that's in the Bible, don't you? That his promises are yes and in him, amen. Going with him, we know we will, he will meet our every need because of his promises. You know, even King David said that he was young once and now that he's old. Here in his old age, he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. In Psalm 50 and 10, we find out that, that he provides and we can trust his promises because, to provide for us because for every beast of the field is his and even the cattle of a thousand hills, they belong to him. We can trust the promise that he's going to always be with us for he tells us that heaven, that, that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Boy, that's a big God, isn't it? To know that we can go with this big God to where heaven is his throne. And all of heaven and, and all the earth is just his footstool. Man, if it's under his feet and we're going with him, shouldn't it be under ours? Shouldn't it be under ours? Why do we let this world drag us down? We should be walking on top of the world. Because we're walking with him. We're going with him all the way. Because we know that as we go, no matter what we face in this life. And if we live in this life long, we know we're going to face some stuff. But we know he'll never leave us. We know he'll never forsake us. Isn't that great to know? That's the God God that we go with all the way. For us to go with him. We must follow in his footsteps. The path that Christ carved out 
as he walked is the path that we are to walk along. You know, our church council and I met starting in January. Again, we were a little late with this, and we began discussing the direction for our church and and what we wanted to come out of this year with our church. And we really want our mission to really be alive within us. So what theme were we wanting to put in everybody's mind and everybody's heart throughout the year? What is it that we want you to see around this church throughout the year? And while in our prayer, because we didn't just sit down one week and say, this is what we're going to do and come back the next week. We're here in March. So we had discussion and we had prayer over this. And, and we really, we really feel like God placed in our hearts and minds in his steps. That simple phrase, in his steps, would be our theme. In other words, we're going to live our lives in his steps. You know, we know our goal, our vision for our church is to win souls for the kingdom of God. We know our mission of the church is to love the gospel, live the gospel, share the gospel. But hey, we can do that so much better if we know that we are in his steps. I know I'm loving and living and sharing the gospel if I'm walking right behind him in his steps. So for this year, we do want to build our direction for our services, direction for our ministries. When we talk about ministries, we're talking about our our preschool, our children, our student ministries, our adult Sunday school ministries, our music ministries, our media ministries, all our ministries within the church. That's where we want to focus this year is we're in his steps. It seems like if you think about Psalm 85 and you look at verse 13, it seems to me that the sons of Korah who are given credit for penning this psalm had an understanding of the value in walking in his steps. As a matter of fact, Psalm 85 and verse 13, it reads this way. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Righteousness shall go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Oh, if his footsteps are our pathway, that we should be in his steps. Amen. Well, when we think about this, we want to we want to really focus in on this psalm a little bit. It may be next week. We may be right back here. We may not. Uh, we'll see how the Lord leads us. But but today we want to unpack something for us. And, you know, it makes sense. I, I know it makes sense for me. I hope it makes sense for all of us. For those of us, especially who are born again and who are witnesses of God's promises in our lives. And we, we want that we would want to live our lives in his steps. Because when God's promises are answered in our lives, it does nothing but encourage us that, that, that he is God and besides him there is no other. And, and why, who else would we want to follow other than him? Well, we understand the benefit of walking in his steps. 
But unfortunately, everyone doesn't. Believers, even, as well as unbelievers. There's some who will choose to not walk in his steps. And there are consequences to this. Because of the promises of God, there are consequences to this. I want you to stay with me uh, for these next few moments. And I want us to notice the ramifications of not living in his steps. Well, when we look here in this psalm, in verse 1, we see the, in that second phrase, it, begin, it gives us clearly the ramifications for the nation of Israel that they experienced for not living in his steps. God's chosen people had been in captivity. The captivity, the captivity was not a case of bad things happening to good people. We know that happens. We know that, that it rains on the just and the unjust, but instead it was their own doing. As a nation, they turned away from God for this. For this, they, for them turning away from God, God brought judgment upon them. The second phrase in verse 1, it says, you have brought back the captivity of Jacob. In other words, the psalmist here is realizing that it, there's a benefit to walking in God's steps. There's a benefit in walking in his path because look what's happened now. Now God has brought the, those who were in captivity back, back to Jacob. Those of Jacob, those of Judah, he's brought them back to Jerusalem, back to their home. So it is believed that the captivity that the psalmist is speaking of here is when Judah was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army. The northern kingdom, Israel, they had already been taken captive by the Assyrian army. And the Assyrian king had brought Gentiles to occupy the land and and because of this, many of the Jews that were in Israel at that time, they migrated down to Judah. We know that what had happened, what was one big country, was divided into two. Those 12 tribes was divided into two, where Judah was made up of, of two tribes, and, and the northern kingdom, Israel, was made up of 10 tribes. Well, here we find the demise of the, of the northern kingdom, where the Syrian army went in, took over, and now they're migrating down to Judah but they weren't going to get be safe either in Judah because God had had raised up Nebuchadnezzar for a purpose and that um, uh, those in Judah just like those in the northern kingdom had failed to live their lives uh, and lead the people of God in God's footsteps and for that God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to invade Judah he invaded him three times first during King Jehoiakim's uh, uh, reign um, it, they took captive of the articles of the house of God and, and some of the king's descendants and, and, his, and the noblemen. They took with them, and you'll remember this from Daniel chapter 1, where they took some of the young men without blemish, good looking, men who were gifted in all wisdom and possessing knowledge and understanding and having the ability to serve in the king's palace. Well, that wasn't the only time Nebuchadnezzar came. Under Jehoiakim's son, 
Jehoiachin, he, he evaded again because he would not pay the taxes to Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. Well, they came back in. They stripped the city of all its wealth, including seven thousand soldiers and another thousand skilled workers 2,000 common people in a a total they came in and took out 10,000 people to take back with them to Babylon on top of all that they took back in the first invasion and if that wasn't enough Zedekiah had been made king and he refused to uh, to do the will of God and because he refused to do the will of God refusing to walk in God's steps he was destroyed as a matter of fact what Nebuchadnezzar done when he went in to get Zedekiah was he killed his sons in front of him and then plucked out the eyes of Zedekiah and he he made a mockery of this man ruined his life it was brutal in that third invasion and then in the invasion they took out everybody except those who were of no benefit to Babylon they took out everybody who was help except those who were helpless and weak in other words the handicapped stayed right there in Jerusalem all by themselves having to fend for themselves with the enemies of the Jews in the north in the south in the east and the west of Jerusalem here they are left the place is desolate at this time in this third invasion they laid to to the ground the temple that they said would never go down this temple had been raised for three centuries three and a half centuries it had stood and the people were worshiping it rather than worshiping God we gotta remember we ought to walk in his steps and if we walk in his steps if we fail to walk in his steps we're gonna have to face the consequences man the temple the walls the whole city was laid in ruins now get this get this for 200 years God's word was prophesied that if the Jews would not live their lives in his steps judgment would come they had been warned of these ramifications of not living in his steps for 200 years get this for 200 years there was a call to repent and to live their lives in his steps but they refused and they found out that God's promises are yes and in him amen exactly what God promised would happen took place they were now in captivity in a foreign land now I don't know if you and I will ever face captivity in a foreign land maybe we will maybe we won't I don't know but there's surely some ramifications for not living our lives in its steps now let me ask you this has your youth been taken captive to sin I'm not talking about your children I'm not talking about your grandchildren I'm talking about your days of your youth Ecclesiastes 12 and 1 tells us remember now that your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say I have no pleasure in them So my question is, has your youth been taken captive by the performers 
of this world? Or is your youth being given to the Lord? As, as your mind is maturing, as your mind was maturing, was it shaped by loving the gospel so that when the evil days come, you were depending and leaning on the word of God? Or was it taken captive by the people of this world? I mean, really, let's be honest. Were you able to tell me your favorite ball player's jersey number? Or were you able to tell me that God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son so that I could have eternal life? Ask yourself, the days of your youth, what shaped your mind? What shaped your mind? How about your energy? What do you mean, preacher? I know you're wondering. What about my energy? Has it been taken captive to sin? What I mean is those years where you had the most energy. I'm getting past those years. I don't have the energy I had 10 years ago. But I, I do have some now. But I'm talking about those years when your hands and feet could go all day accomplishing what needed to be accomplished. I'm talking about when your mind was so sharp you were able to apply what you learned as a youth and put it into practice. When your energy was it used to display that you lived out the gospel? Because Jesus tells us in John 9 and 4 that night's coming when no one can work. Or was your energy taken captive by pride? possessions and popularity of this world were you trying to get all that you could to store up and show off instead of living in his steps and putting all that God had blessed you with on display showing your love for Christ or maybe you found as you look through your life that your life's been kept, been taken captive to sin. Have you lived long enough that you're past your youth and you're past your best days and you now realize that your life hasn't been what God would have had it to be? That your life had been taken captive? I want to share with you, <laughs> there's a reality that can actually change the rest of your life on earth and for all eternity. We don't have to face the ramifications of not walking in his steps. You know what the reality, there is a reality to living in his steps. And we will find this, the reality is that we will find him faithful. If we walk in his steps, we will find him faithful. That's the reality of this psalm. The psalmist is acknowledging that God is faithful throughout the entire psalm. He's faithful to his word. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God told the Jews to get comfortable in Babylon. He told them to build themselves. You may remember this in chapter 29 of Jeremiah. He told them to build themselves houses, to plant gardens and to eat of its fruit. He told them to marry and to have children. He told them to give their sons to wives and give and take wives for their sons. He told them not only that, but to pray for the city that they were taken captive in. In other words, basically what, what God told the people through the prophet Jeremiah was get comfortable. You're going to be here a while. They were actually there for 70 years, some for much longer. But God also used Jeremiah to tell them in verse 11 
of Jeremiah 29. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give your future and I hope. I'm wondering, you know, just in my mind, if those who are taken captive are, are really believing that they have a future and they have a hope. Jeremiah was contradicting these other soothsayers that they were wanting to believe who said they'd only be there for a couple of years. And here Jeremiah's telling them they're going to be there for 70 years and that they need to trust his word and not the word of these other people who are just giving them words that they wanted to hear but here here I I wonder how they were thinking can I really can I really believe that God has a hope for me but I want to tell you he is faithful to his word God used um, God being faithful to his word we see right here in the scripture there in that same um, part of first one that we had read earlier that you have brought back captivity of Jacob and God showed himself faithful. Let me tell you how that took place. God used a Persian king by the name of Cyrus to to begin liberating the Jews. Zerubbabel was made governor over Judah and and he returned to Jerusalem with 50,000 Jews. Let me tell you something. Within the first year, within the first year of, the, of, of King Cyrus becoming king of Persia and them actually invading Babylon and taking over Babylon he started freeing the Jews. God was faithful to his word. They might not have known how God was going to do it but God knew all along exactly how he was going to do it. He raised up a Persian king who would have favor to, who would give favor toward God's people and here he let them go. In order for the and the order of business for Zerubbabel and the Jews that got back to Jerusalem, the very first thing they've done was they rebuilt the altar of God on the very foundation the old altar was. And when they built that, they began to offer sacrifices. And about four years later, the temple was rebuilt. Even after that, Ezra led a group of 1,800 Jews to back to Jerusalem to stir up revival. He found that the Jews had again turned their back to the Lord committing sin after sin, continuing to break God's law. And, and so Ezra prepared in his heart that he was determined to study and obey the law of the Lord to teach the commandments of God to the people. And then years after Ezra went, there's Nehemiah. Nehemiah, the Persian king's cupbearer, the very one, he would be the very one who would lead a third group back to Jerusalem. Just as three groups left, three groups went back. And he went back to establish the nation. There, here the walls were still laid in ruins and in 52 days, in less than two months, Nehemiah and his order, his way of doing business, his trust and his following the Lord in the midst of persecution, he was able to accomplish the task. I want to tell you, God is faithful to his word. They, he not only built the walls, but he, they built homes in, inside the walls. And, and there were homes outside the walls, but he had them to build them inside the walls so that they could fortify the city. And as they fortified the city and became a great nation, they had a revival that took place where they committed their lives to serving the Lord and obeying his commandments. Folks, God is faithful. He's faithful to his word. But God's not only faithful to his word. 
He's also faithful to his work. If we look there in verses 1, 2, and 3, the Bible tells us this, Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered their sin. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. What the psalmist is saying here is everything that God done. He's saying, this is all your work, God. This is all yours. You know, when they, when the groups came back to Jerusalem, you know where they went? God had, listen, they'd been gone over 70 years. Y'all know what 70 years would do to property that's not being uh, harvested, property that's not being taken care of, property that's, that's just been left abandoned. You know what 70 years would do to it? You know, <laughs> you know people coming just to plant their flag right where it's at. Y'all do know that, don't you? They'll plant their flag and say, well, nobody's been here in the last 10 years. This is mine. 70 years has went by. Their enemies is to the north, the south, east, and the west. You know what happened? When they come back, they went straight to where their families stayed. (laughs) Straight to where their families lived and made their home there. They began rebuilding their lives. They're in Jerusalem. Only God was able to do that. Not only that, they realized that they had been forgiven of their sin. Their iniquities was washed away. It was separated from them as far as the east is from the west. And not only that, God's wrath was no longer upon them. They realized that they were free in the Lord. And here what we need to understand is that God does that. Aren't you glad he does it in your life? (sighs) Yes, he showed himself faithful. But God wasn't just faithful to his word and his work. He was also (laughs) faithful to his witness. If we go back to verse 13. If we look back at verse 13, he says, righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. He is, if we really look at this, he is likening righteousness as is a herald. We all know what a herald is. Uh, you've all, uh, what is it, uh, Paul Revere? He, he went through the city heralding that the British were coming. The British were coming. Y'all need to follow me and get out of the city. And here, the Bible, the psalmist recognizes righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Righteousness is going to herald the way to God. That's what he is saying. It's going to herald the way to him. (laughs) Well, somebody should have shouted right there. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. (laughs) Because the herald has come. He came in the form of God's only begotten son. The righteousness of God came as Jesus Christ. He lived his life so righteously that he fulfilled all the scriptures. And he became the righteous sacrifice for the sin of the world. And he declared that he is the righteous way to the father. In John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. We need to walk in his steps. But we must be honest with ourselves. Are we truly experiencing the comfort of God's promises? 
Really, are we truly experiencing the comfort? And you know, there's comfort in God's promises. And he promises to never leave me nor forsake me in my troubled times. I, that's comforting to me. And if you go to Isaiah, he, he gives some comfort. He says, when the waves are coming at you, they will not overtake you. If the fire is coming upon you, you won't be burned. It's a promise that he made to his people. I'm glad I'm his people. I'm glad I'm his people. And they, his, his promises give comfort in a dark and in a troubled time. But I, I wonder, are we experiencing comfort in his promises? Or is something hindering us from his comfort? Again, I I know bad things happen to good people. I know it rains on the just and unjust, but I wonder, can we be experienced? Well, I don't wonder. I know we can also bring bad upon ourselves, can't we? We very well can do that through a disobedience. Maybe instead of experiencing the comfort of God's promises, you're experiencing a discomfort with time. What do you mean? Well, we all live busy lives. And we may, from time to time, feel like 24 hours is just not enough time in the day. You ever felt that way? Not to get everything that you want to accomplish. I mean, even people who are retired now and, and they don't have to clock in and clock out. They, what, what you've done is you've realized that while you were clocking in and clocking out, you had to put some things on hold because there didn't seem to be enough time. And once you got to where you no longer had to clock in and clock out, you're, figure, you're finding out that all of that stuff you put on hold is a lot of stuff and it's taking a lot of time. You ever feel like you need 26 hours rather than just the 24 Listen to what Ephesians 5 says to us. In 5, 15 through 16, it tells us that we should walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, redeeming the time because days are evil. You know, I wonder, just maybe, if we would walk wisely in his steps, maybe we should be getting up a little earlier start our day with spending time with the lord start our day in prayer and in devotion it seems to me that starting the day with worship (laughs) it should it should really improve my time and my day hadn't it i mean it does a lot for us on sunday doesn't it we come here and it's half half the day is almost over when we leave but it it seems like it's a long time till seven o'clock for me Uh, it works on sunday i think it would work every day of the week It may not be that simple, but I think if we got in the habit, it would really help us. I'm talking to me too. I'm talking to me. Maybe we're not only experiencing discomfort with time. Maybe that's not your issue. You get up. You have your time with the Lord before before you start your day. God bless you and I thank God for you. Encourage others to do it. But maybe where you'll find the discomfort is in your talent. Maybe you're feeling like you're in a dead-end job and you just can't find anything that ignites your passion. Something that you would see your workplace as a mission field or you would, or it's, you're not found that one thing that brings out the very best in you. If we're honest, we have to ask the question, are we living in his steps? 
Colossians 3 and 23 tells us whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So we have to ask ourselves, are we going through the motions wherever it is we're at through the day? Because we're not fulfilled and we're not trusting God? Or are we blooming where he's planted us? And we're depending on our husbandman, our caretaker, (laughs) to move us to where we can bloom it somewhere else. I want to tell you, here's the truth of it. He's not going to make us rulers over many things until we've shown ourselves faithful over a few things. Ooh, I'm glad somebody said that. <laughs> uh, somebody's a witness. To, that's what the scripture says. But, well, maybe that's not your issue. You're, you're satisfied and you're just blooming right where God's planted you. You're, it's not your issue that with, with your talent or your time. But are you experiencing discomfort with your treasure? Are you struggling to make ends meet? Are you, if you are, my question becomes, are you trusting God with your finances? In other words, are you paying your tithes? Now, don't shout it out. It's none of my business. I'm not checking behind them about who's doing this or that. I don't even know the password to that computer. Don't want to know it. I, I understand the defense from, I understand the defense. Well, well preacher, it, it just seems like unexpected bills pop up from time to time. I, I get it. They do it at my house. I get it. Well, you know, gas is going up. Yes, it is. Isn't it crazy? I mean, how rapidly it's going up. And you know what? It's going to keep going up. You know what you're going to do? You're going to keep buying it. Gas is going up. You know what else is going up? Grocery is going up. Yeah, groceries going up. It's ridiculous what we're having to pay for stuff. Man, you come out of the grocery store with three bags and paid $150 and ain't a bit of meat in it. Isn't that crazy? That is ridiculous. Well, I would encourage you to get to the voting booths when you can. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. Amen, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. And we, we know everyone's looking for a handout. and I know in our hearts and minds we're thinking I just can't see how I can pay them I think the better question to ask is how can you not how can you not afford to pay them the reason I say that is because if we think we're going to benefit from robbing God hmm, it's not going to happen we're not going to benefit from robbing God, not God's people. You know, if, <laughs> and it, <laughs> well, I'm going to leave it right there. We're not going to benefit from robbing God. And I, because here's the thing, it's going somewhere. If we fail to give it to God, you might give it to your mechanic. And if you carry it to a dealership, you can give them a lot more than what you would give to the church. Uh, you might have to give it to a lawyer. And God forbid, you may have to give it to a doctor. But he's not going to allow you to benefit. He's not going to allow me to benefit from robbing him. 
In other words, he encourages us to be a witness to the truth of his word. Malachi tells us to test him and see what he does. Just test him and see what he does. So we must ask ourselves, are we living in his steps? I'm convinced that if we live in his steps, we'll be comforted. <laughs> we'll be comforted. I, I don't know what, what your issue may be. These, your treasure, your time, your talent may not be the issue. What about your marriage? What about your marriage? Are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church? If you're not, you're not walking in his steps. Are you honoring your husband as the scripture teaches? If you're not, then you're not walking in his steps. But when we walk in his steps, marriage is a beautiful thing. It's an encouraging thing. It's a celebrated thing. It's a loving, intimate thing, which is what it's supposed to be. And you know, from time to time, it's a little fun too. (laughs) It's just a little fun. Well, truth of the matter is this. We have to ask ourselves. Are we walking in his steps? Well, maybe this isn't your issue. There may be somebody here today as we're getting ready to close. I am getting ready to close. The musicians would come and get prepared for the closing song. Maybe there's someone here today who cannot be comforted in the promises of God because you're you're held captive to sin. Maybe today you're realizing that the penalty of your sin is greater than you can pay. Maybe today you're seeking a better way. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place, I want to share this with you. There is good news for you. The penalty for your sin, it's already been paid it doesn't matter where you've been it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you've come from the penalty of your sin has already been paid (laughs) you don't have to pay it but you must accept forgiveness by faith And you do this by believing that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he died as a sacrifice for your sins. He was buried, but on the third day he arose from the dead. He ascended back to the Father's right hand. And there he intercedes for you and I. You must believe this and repent of your sin and surrender your life. To Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then he will place his righteousness upon you. The Holy Spirit will then abide with you to empower you, to encourage you, to direct your life. To be lived out in his steps. Giving you access to our Heavenly Father. And while here on earth and for eternity, you will be able to trust in the comfort 
of the promises of God. I don't know where you are today, but it's a day to no longer be held captive. If you are a believer and you strayed away, today's a day to begin walking again in his steps. If you are unsaved, never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is a day for you to begin your life in his steps. If you believe, all you must do is confess. Are you willing today, as they begin to sing this song, are you willing today to make this the beginning of you living your life in his steps?